Lord, we pray that you would speak to us in this message this morning, that your word would be lively, powerful, um, that it would just sort of jump off the page for us, God, that we would, it would do something in our hearts, that we would feel something moving, stirring. It would be your Holy Spirit. Just pray that, God. We, we know that your word can change lives, and we pray that that would be the case today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I want to, I want to mention that we're, we're in a series, we're actually over in Ephesians 6, and that's, we're doing a series on what I've called God's war or spiritual warfare, but we're going to be looking at one of the pieces of spiritual armor that's called the, um, the shield of faith, and that's why we were reading from 11, Hebrews 11, because that's a chapter that's all about faith and how essential faith is to the Christian life, so I want to begin by clarifying that nothing happens apart from the Spirit of God. Nothing happens apart from the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes, um, amazing things happen. Lives are changed, uh, sometimes instantly, like totally out of nowhere. Someone walks into church and they have no idea that what is about to happen is they're going to have an encounter with the living God. And that's when the Holy Spirit is working. And I, I want to read this quote by... R.A. Torrey, and he says this about the Spirit, and I want, you to, I want you to think about that this is possible right now. I, I agree with what he's saying here. The Holy Spirit does regenerate man. He brings a whole new life. He has power to raise the dead. He has power to impart life to those who are morally dead or decaying. He has power to impart an entirely new nature to those whose nature now is so corrupt that to men they appear to be beyond hope. How often I have seen it proven, how often I have seen men and women utterly lost and ruined and vile come into a meeting scarcely knowing why they came as they have sat there. The word was spoken, the spirit of God was quickened, has quickened the word, thus sown in their heart, and in a moment that man or woman, by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit, has become a new creation. It happened like that. An author I, I read and qu quote um, here fairly frequently is Jim Cimbala, and he, he said, only the Holy Spirit can make the things of Christ real and alive to people. Only the Holy Spirit. I, I can't. If I could, or... If there was a switch over there by the wall or maybe back in the tech booth, and I would say, okay, hit that switch now. I'm, gonna, I'm starting to preach, so I really want people to get it. And they would just flick the switch, and it would be awesome. <laughs> but I, don't, I can't do that. I don't have, there's no switch. There's no, it's not me. It's not my message. It's honestly, even this book, the powerful Word of God cannot have the impact that we desperately want to have without the Holy Spirit. It's not only the Word of God, but it's the person of the Holy Spirit must come. Do you know that the greatest preachers can preach messages and whether it's impactful or not is not the fact that they're the one preaching. It's whether the Spirit of God comes. And so that's what's involved in this spiritual warfare. So in Ephesians 6, that's what we've been looking at, verses 10 to 20, there is a war behind the curtains, above and below, invisible in many respects. 
but visible as it plays out in time, in real time, and in our world. So you can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can see when He's been there. You can see the results or the fruit of the Spirit working. You see the... Um, uh, you, you see, when he gets hold of someone, the Lord must open our eyes. And we must stay close, abiding in Christ, in order to stand against the schemes of the devil. When we see and experience horrible and evil things, that is just where evil has surfaced. It begs the question, what was under or behind or the cause of that? action that is a, there is a dark underworld and we cannot afford to be naive and so in Ephesians 6 there's seven pieces essential pieces of armor spiritual armor and we talked about um, putting on the whole armor of God let me let me glance at this passage again for you in Ephesians 6 it says be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So it's, it's not our strength, okay? We're not, we're not appealing to you to um, get buff and muscle up and look to your strength and you need to, you need to get your act together. No, we're saying be strong in the Lord and in, in His strength. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So the devil is real. There's a spiritual realm and Satan is real. And in that realm, um, there's, there's strategies. Satan is thinking, plotting, um, strategizing. He's got a game plan. And it says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood or... That's to say our struggle isn't merely physical. We do have physical struggles, but it's not. there's another layer. There's another realm. And it says we don't just merely wrestle against flesh and blood or the natural. There's a supernatural, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There are forces of evil. There are dark powers. And often they cooperate with um, rulers, authorities, powers. There are people that align themselves or they don't even know they're aligned, but they are aligned with dark forces. And that's why evil things happen, wicked things, things that you go, how, how can anyone do that? How could someone do things so corrupt? And there's things that you could watch and see, it's just sickening. Or decisions people make and you go, how, how did... How did that person I know end up there? How, what, what happened? What, where did this unravel? Why is this person in prison? Why is this person addicted? Why is this person, why was this girl so abused? Or why did this, this person let that happen? And there's powers and forces operating in our world that explain evil and wickedness in a way that is, just doesn't make sense if you don't believe in that. And the Bible is very plain and clear and forthright that there is this battle going on and, and that, that we need to be aware. You have to be awake. Wake up. And then it says, now that you know that, then we need to take up the armor of God. Like God has provided armor. There's equipment. 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Do, do you ever see evil? Do you ever, how, how are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? How are we going to survive? There's, there's an assault. There's an attack. Some of people, um, some people sometimes say, I've heard many people say, um, man, what are we going to do with our kids? What are we going to do with our kids? There's so much happening going on right now. How are we going to do this? It's not like it used to be when I was a kid. Or, or there's things going on that kids have things available to them and they have access to information that we didn't used to have to deal with until we were much older. And so there's concerns. There's this spiritual realm. How are we going to stand? How can we take our stand? How are we going to withstand this evil? And the Lord says, by putting on the armor of God, and it includes the belt of truth. And the belt of truth, and we discussed three pieces of armor last week, and the first one was the belt of truth, and it's truth. It's like a belt around us that holds our lives together. If we don't have truth, and everything falls apart. And even though we may have other pieces of armor to put on, it just all falls off if it's not held together. We need the truth of God to make sure that we're um, in being held together. We need truth because lies are, we're being told lies and lies are coming at us and your life falls apart based on lies. We need the belt of truth and then we also talked about the breastplate of righteousness and we need righteousness but it's not our righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ. Christ is our, our righteousness. He's the one that makes us right and have a right standing with God based on His righteousness and, and then we need this, um, what is our motive, our motivation for living out the Christian life and being evangelistic? And it's, it's our shoes. It's called the, the gospel is um, the shoes of hope. The shoes of, it says, put on your shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So our, our motivation to go, shoes remind you of going and action. And, and it's what motivates us. And it's the gospel. It's the hope, the hope of the gospel that can come to the world. And, and now we're going to talk about the shield of faith. And we'll talk later about the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit and, and praying in the spirit. And we're going to talk about those things. But today I just want to focus. This is so important. We need to make sure we understand what are we standing behind. It's the shield, the shield of faith. What, what protects us against the enemy? And what is our shield? What, what can protect us? And, and where are we going to place our, our confidence Okay, so this is what we're looking at today, and the shield of faith. And I'll get a little bit more into that in a second, but I want you to think about this uh, pretty well-known quote by C.S. Lewis on the two dangers, extremes, when people start thinking of Satan, and one is to ignore him altogether, and the other is to be um, overly infatuated with, with evil. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, like, this silly childhood stuff. That's a terrible extreme. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive unhealthy interest in them. Uh, it's to be so obsessed, and it's like when people are so interested in evil, and they want to go to all evil movies and evil stuff, and they want to play evil games, and they're just like, oh, this is so cool. It's, a, it's not a game. It's not a game. This is not so cool. And there are people who don't even have Christ and they dare to tread into territory and to dark worlds and dark places and they think, oh, this is, I was fascinated. There's people fascinating. Where does that fascination come from? Where is that coming from? Is Satan just luring people into 
a world of darkness and taking them down into uh, a, a spin, a spiral downward into, away from the truth of God, away from the light, and they go into and they delve into darkness and find themselves in dark places and they obsess with demonic and they dabble. Their curiosity just leads them into these things and they don't even have a shield. There's no shield there. They just run and they go, oh, I'm not a Christian, but I, I'm interested in these fascinating dark stuff. It's a whole world of people that are just led blindly thinking it looks cool and they think they can navigate. They think they're going to go in there and play and come out un, unhurt, unharmed. And the Bible warns us, don't you dare take darkness lightly. Don't you dare think that it's no big deal. Don't you dare make light of Satan. Wake up. That's what the Bible saying. Wake up. In Proverbs 7, there's the analogy, a story of a man who thinks that he would like to um, find out what, it's, what the, a prostitute is like. It's like, oh, I want to I adventure a little bit here. He wants to, basically, he wants to look at porn, really. It's like, well, what harm? This is a foolish young man. You know, the only way you could look at porn in that day was to go to Go somewhere. They didn't have access like we do. So it's like, I want to dabble with, I'm curious about this sexual world. And it says he decided he would go close near the prostitute's house. It's like, well, I, mean, I just want to look. I want to look. I, want to, I, don't, I don't want to get caught. I don't want to do anything stupid, as if that wasn't stupid. And he goes, it says that in Proverbs chapter 7, it says, at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice and I, I saw among the simple or somebody who wasn't real smart and I he looked at a, a youth a young man lacking sense it's like he wasn't thinking clearly what made him think he could do this why did he think he could dabble in that stuff passing along the street near her corners like I just want to look I just want to look it's what people say when they they start first they start looking into sin and I just want to look I'm just curious oh I'm not going to do it and then it says that they, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening. It's like, oh, I want a darkness. I want to go in the dark. I don't want people to know what I'm doing. Or It's just me. I'm, a, I'm not going to tell anyone at time of night and darkness. And so people go into darkness. And they think they're just going to turn around and come out. But the end of the story is, do not stray into her paths for many a victim she has laid low. And all her, all her slain are many a mighty and it basically says they end up caught in the trap and they just wanted to look and that's the way evil is and that's what how we are lured into this and we think we can we can do this okay so don't play with fire and don't go into the dark world and expect to come out unscathed this is a real world but now the question is well how are we what do we do? How do we handle this? So I'm sure, I know this side is very familiar with dodgeball because I've been here when y'all have had dodgeball before and it gets pretty crazy. And let me just tell you how dodgeball works. Um, there's this line in the middle of the gym and there's two teams and there's a whole bunch of balls. And you 
say go and everybody runs to the middle and they try to grab the balls because you if you get hit with a ball you're out and I've found it fascinating that some people never last very long they're like 13 seconds every game in they, they and if something happens in the game and you need to go back in and they go back in it's like oh, they're back out again they get hit it's like they just don't something's going on and they just don't get the game. I don't know. Or maybe they don't want to be in the game. or I don't know. But here's what happens. The people who do well, other than the fact that they're often very athletic, and that does help. But, but then there's some people that have figured the game out. It's like, no, I'm going to stand far away. When the enemy, the other team has all the balls and they're firing, I'm going to stand away and let them just throw, and then I have a much more time to respond. So they stay at a safe distance. And then, um, and then when a ball comes and it stays back there, then now, now they have a ball. And the ball can be a shield. And you can move closer to the enemy when you have one of those balls because you're like, well, no, I'll block. And some people are really good at they block the shots coming. But some people don't seem to understand, and they don't really pay attention to the enemy. They don't pay attention to the fact that they don't have any ball or shield. They just see a ball and they start running toward it and they get pegged every time. Beamed right in the head. Every time. It's like, oh, there's a, there's a ball. I got to go get it. And boom, they get hit every time because they don't understand the concept of warfare. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they just don't quite get it. And so they're just running up there and they get beamed every time. Do you know a lot of, it's funny, isn't it? But there's a lot of Christians just like that. They don't understand the game. And they just run up to the enemy line acting like those are friends over there. And they get beamed. And they get down and out. And they don't understand this concept of a shield. And so I want to, I want to talk to you about in the spiritual realm, there's a shield. And if you're going to survive, then you've got to understand um, battle and warfare. Ephesians six sixteen says, in all circumstances, like no matter what situation we're in, always, 24-7, in all circumstances, all the time, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. You need this shield against Satan's attacks. And it's called a shield of faith. And we need to talk about what that is and what it isn't. So, the shield part's pretty easy. A shield is a, a broad piece of metal or another suitable material held by straps. It's like a, a metal, leather, wood, held by straps, and you can hold it attached on one side. On the back side is a strap, and it's used as a protection against blows or missiles. And so the shield is primarily defensive and it intercepts the attack the missiles the arrows coming so the shield is something you have to hold on to it is something that is quite clumsy to carry around if you're doing housework or in the library studying but you must never go into battle without a shield it deserves the full commitment of one hand and an arm it is essential that you know how to use it so that it is like a part of your body. It will save your life over and over again. It can withstand blow upon blow if properly positioned. So there's shield. 
So you understand the concept of a shield. And then the shield we're talking about is called the shield of faith. And I want to describe a few things where people think they have the right shield, but they don't. They don't have the shield that Jesus and the Bible's talking about. So faith, what is faith? Faith is belief. It is faith is confidence, trust. It's confidence in someone or something. It's conviction. It's reliance. The Bible talks about faith. You have to have faith. You have to have conviction. You have to have you have to believe in something. You, um, religious faith is about believing in something. Believing. What do you put your faith in? What is your faith in? And that's what people are asking. Well, I'm this. I'm this religion. I'm that. So that would be then move from faith is being committed to something. And then religious faith is what are you committed to in terms of religion. What is your religion? What is your religion of choice? Um, what do you hold on to? What do you believe in? And so it's religious faith is uh, some belief in a, a religious system. Or following some rule of life. Like if you follow these rules, then I'm committed to this faith or this religion. Or it's a pathway. Like if you stay on this, I believe if you walk this pathway, you'll be um, right before God. It's, uh, rules uh, to please some deity or spiritual convictions, a belief or system about God or gods or some higher power. And so these are religious, many people have a shield and it's some kind of religious faith, but it still may not be the faith. That doesn't qualify for, there's a lot of false religions, there's a lot of things that people try to hide behind and it doesn't sustain. Satan can, it doesn't sustain, uh, withhold against Satan's attacks. And so the question is, what are you standing behind? What is your shield that you put up to when you're attacked morally, um, eternally? And then there's the Christian faith. And so we're, we're narrowing down. That's what I want you to see. We're narrowing it down. The Christian faith is belief in the God of, the God of Scripture. It's like the Christian faith is based upon the Bible, Old and New Testament Bible. The Christian faith centers around the person of Jesus Christ and the Son of God, Savior of sinners. There's a, an ancient creed that's helpful, and it's called the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed, I will say, is true as far as it goes. There's some things missing, but it was one of the early Christian doctrinal statements. And that's why it's called the Apostles' Creed, not because necessarily the Apostles wrote it, but because it defined what the Apostles believed. And so someone said, well, what's the basic truths of the Christian faith and they said well the Apostles Creed and so um, it, it goes like this like if someone says what do you believe then some of the early Christians might have maybe they memorized this creed and they said I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And so I would say this creed is true. 
and as far and as much content as it covers, that it, it's accurate and true. But then some people began to realize, well, hmm, there's some, there's some more that's essential. And for years, there was this big divide between um, Roman Catholicism and what became known as Protestant religion, that some people, you know, the, the, all the Roman Catholics agreed in this um, creed. But the question was, well, there's some other things missing. And out of the Reformation came five. There was more, but they're most well-known through the Reformation, what's called the five solas of the Reformation, five very significant truths that created an understanding that began, people began to believe, hmm, I'm not sure. There's a little more that we need to this creed. And we need to define some things so that we can make sure that we're talking about the same religion. And the first one was, one of the ones is sola scriptura, by scripture alone. The word sola just means solo, solo alone. The Bible alone. There's no other book like the Bible. No other book. We don't include, and this was a big issue in the Reformation. We don't include the Apocrypha. But now it's a big issue because we don't include... Um, other holy books. This is our book, this one book. We don't include the Book of Mormon. We don't include, um, we don't believe in uh, the Quran. We don't believe in other books. This is our book. This is the Christian faith. Okay, this is what we believe in. We stand behind this book. It's, this is where, this is our, our source of truth. Okay, so. For Christians, this is very important. And then what we believe and the basis of our salvation revolves around the other four solas. And the, the one that was sort of the cry of the Reformation was that sola fide, by faith alone. We are saved by faith alone. We don't add anything to it. It's not, by, it's not faith plus our works. And... The concern was that many in the Roman Catholic Church were confused about, well, it's my good works plus my faith. And it's like, no, no, salvation is by faith alone. By faith alone. You can't add anything to it. You can't add a thing to it. And then came one that's called by faith alone in Christ alone. In Christ. It's by faith in Christ. It's not Christ and anybody else. It's what Christ did for me. It's my faith in Jesus Christ. My faith is in Christ. It's not in a saint. It's not in Mary. It's not in um, some hero of the faith. It's in Christ alone. I only have my faith in Christ. I don't look to anyone else. He alone is my Savior. So Christ alone. And then it's by grace alone. Uh, sola uh, gratia. It's by grace only by grace, it's not by works. In other words, let's be clear, you don't add anything to it. And you see how these are all interrelated, but they had to keep defining it because people kept um, adding somehow. And Satan is so clever and he kept confusing people. It's like, well, bring in your little bit of works. No, 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 get your works out of here. All your works are filthy rags. You don't have anything to add. It's not your works, it's Christ's works, Christ's righteousness. Remember, we talked last week about the breastplate of righteousness. It's his righteousness. You don't add anything to it. I don't have any righteousness. I'm depending on Christ's righteousness. So get your works out of there. You don't add anything to it. Christ finished work. And then um, the 
sola deo gloria means to the glory. Sola deo glory uh, is God and gloria. The glory is the glory of God alone. You don't add any. You don't go, Lord God, I added my, aren't you glad I added my little, I had some little tricks and stuff I wanted to add, you know, so here's my money or my, my charm or remember those sermons I preached that were so powerful. It's like, no, get, get that out of here. It's to the glory of God alone. No one ever stands before God and brags about, well, here's my part, Lord. You know, you did 80, I did 20. You did 90, I did 10. It's like, get that out of here. And they had to clarify the gospel. And that's what my shield has to be very clear. I can't have a hole in it. I can't have a hole in it. I can't add, try to add something and add my righteousness or add my, my how much Bible I know or add my, my Sunday school record or my, how many people I've witnessed to. It would be a hole. It would put a hole in the shield. The shield must be pure. It cannot be not any hole in it. I stand behind the shield. My faith is in this shield. So we need to talk about what, what is this shield? What, what, is, what is the shield? And simply put, it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Jesus is my shield. He's the only thing. I stand behind Jesus. And he's enough. He's more than enough. Satan cannot penetrate the shield. Jesus defeated him. He defeated him on the cross. I stand. I don't dare stand behind my righteousness. I would be shot. I would be shot. I don't have any. I don't dare. I'm not confident. I'm not confident in my righteousness. I'm not confident in my record. I'm not confident in my name. I have a history. I have a past. I have things I've done wrong. I dare not stand on that. Satan can shoot holes through that easily. He can point out all my flaws, all my wrongdoing, all my past, all my sin, all my lust, all my anger, all my hatred, all my greed, all my coveting, all my lusting. He's just so easy, so easy. If I try to stand on my good record, it's so easy for him to shoot holes through. He can just pierce an arrow right through my little flimsy little shield. It won't hold. Not against the assault of Satan. It won't even hold against the assault of the righteousness of God. When I look at God's righteous standard, it just holds, all holes in it. What can, what can withstand? It's faith. In John 3.16, we're told that it's faith. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whoever believes in Him. Him. Whoever stands behind Him shall not perish but have ever, everlasting life. It's, Christ is my shield. In Ephesians 2, it says in 8 and 9, By grace, grace alone, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Like, you, you didn't do it. It's, it's the gift of God. It's like given to you, freely given. Grab hold of that shield. The shield is good. The shield is good. Grab the shield. Grab, grab the, stand behind the shield. Stand behind Christ. It's good. It holds. It always holds. It's not, it's a gift of God. He's like giving you a shield. He's like offering you. Don't come to him saying you don't need much of a shield. You're pretty good and things are good. Get that out of here. That'll kill you. It'll kill you when you try to stand before God and pretend that you've got something to offer. It's like, no, 
That'll get you dead. Christ is, God is offering you the shield. And the shield is his son. It's shielded by Jesus Christ. It says, not a result of works. It's not your works so that no one can boast. No one boasts. No one boasts. No one goes, look at my shield. Isn't it cool? Look, I drew my name on it and put my little cute little sign there. And I've added my 10 stuff I did. And here's my record. And here's my, here's my stuff. And it's... It's just so easy to shoot down. It's like cardboard. And then in John 1.12, all who did receive Him, who received Christ, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. That's, that's how you become born again. It's believing in Christ. It's, believing in, it's not performing. It's not your performance that got you into the kingdom of God. You didn't perform your way into the family of God. You have to be born into it. You have to be born again. And born again is by believing in what Christ did. That's how you come in. That's when you see the shield and you take the arm of, of your heart and your faith and you, you slide in there and you're like, I'm clinging to Christ. It's Christ that stands before me in the arrows and darts of Satan and the lies. Christ can withstand. All who received Him, He gave the right to become children of God. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please Him. You can't please God without faith. You have, to, you have to hold on to that shield. You have to put all your weight and confidence behind that. Don't stand behind anything else. Don't stand behind your, your good deeds. Don't stand behind someone else. Don't stand behind your, your mom's faith, your dad's faith. Well, my dad was a famous Christian. Forget it. He doesn't help you. My mom, my grandma read the Bible to us when we go to grandma's. We prayed before dinner. That's fantastic. But that doesn't help you. That, that's, that's her standing. That's grandma's standing. Grandma had a shield. You need a shield. You need your own shield. And it's impossible to please God without faith. So faith is what grabs hold of that shield and says, I'm confident in, in Christ. Totally confident in Him. I can go forward in Christ. I dare not go out without... I don't want to go out in my good name, my good reputation, my record. I'm a deacon. I'm an elder. I'm on the worship team. So what? It's easy to shoot holes through that. Romans 3, 21-22. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Remember what we need... We need the righteousness. And how do we get it? By faith. We need the righteousness of Christ, but how do we... We know who we need. We need Christ, but how do we get Christ? How do we attain Christ? By faith. By faith. The Bible says believe in Christ. Romans 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have been justified or declared right with God, we have been justified by faith. We have not been justified by performance, not by our religious zeal. Not by which religion we've chosen. It says that we have we are justified by faith, by believing in Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So, um, right now there's a war in Israel. And many of you are probably familiar with their, the shield that they have. They have a shield over, an invisible shield over Israel. And it's called the Iron Dome. And I think around 2011 is when it was 
enacted, when it became active. And they created this brilliant missile system, anti-missile system. So it's like an air shield over Israel. When enemies would fire missiles, they had a, a, a missile would have instantly fire to respond to it and blow it up before it, it did damage. And it was called the Iron Dome. But the problem is, and Israel always knew this, as long as Israel had more missiles, enough missiles in their system, creating this iron dome, they could withstand most missiles. But when the enemy had more missiles and sent so many missiles so fast that the iron dome couldn't respond enough, then they became very vulnerable. And, the, and that's what one of their concerns right now is. And so I want to assure you that the iron dome is not sufficient. But Jesus is better than the Iron Dome. Jesus can withstand all missiles. He cannot be overwhelmed. His shield is so good that there's no number. Satan has already, already tried to take Jesus out and he failed. Jesus withstood Satan's assault and he wants to be your shield. He's better than the Iron Dome. Nothing can get through. He's impenetrable. He will stand. If you stand behind Christ, you have found complete, utter security. Okay? So, there's a lot of verses. Um, I'll mention them and you can, you can look them up if, you, if you're a note taker and you want these. Uh, in Hebrews 11, 13 to 39, the whole rest of the chapter describes how people... We're trusting in God's provision. Even before they knew Jesus' name, they knew that God had promised salvation. So Old Testament saints were um, protected by the coming Christ and were protected by the Christ who came. They were protected by the one who was promised and we are protected by the one who fulfilled the promise. Like either side of the cross, it's the cross where we find our protection. Okay, and so and the psalmist of the Old Testament could say, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The psalmist could say, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Daniel could cry uh, when King Nebuchadnezzar said, bow or burn. And they said, no, nah, we'll, we'll burn. God will take care of us. We're, we'll stand with God. And they stood and they were willing to die. They had more confidence in dying in a fire, standing with God, than renouncing God and giving their shield up. They weren't about to give their shield up. No, their shield would take them through death, not just protect them. They were willing to die. It's like, no, no, we're not giving our shield up. We're going with God. And um, in John 14, 1, Jesus said, Believe in God, believe also in me. So I want to um, I, I make sure now that uh, I want to make sure you understand this okay so faith does not save you saving faith is not saying that faith saves you Jesus saves you Jesus saves you it's faith in Jesus 
faith in Jesus saves you, okay? It's not faith that you create. The emphasis can be, um, well, let's just do this. Uh, it looks like the worship team's coming, so if you're up here, come on so we do it all at once. So I want to try to explain this. It's so important. If you emphasize your faith, then your shield is very flimsy. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the object of your faith. Your faith doesn't save you. Very important. Because that would be meritorious. That would, be, that would mean my faith saves me. And guess what Satan's going to do? He's going to ask you, well, how's your faith today? And he's going to toy with you. And on a bad day, you're going to go, man, I don't feel, I don't feel so good. I, feel, I hadn't read my Bible much. I hadn't been to a church a lot lately. Um, man, I really sinned. I relapsed. I looked at porn again. I feel terrible. My faith is not sufficient. And you're right. Your faith is never, your faith is not the strength of your position in Christ. It's not your faith, it's the object of your faith. My faith is in Jesus. Even when I'm weak, even when my faith teeters, even when I'm wavering, even when I'm messing up, it's, it's not my faith in me, it's not my faith in my Christian experience, it's not my faith in how well I'm doing lately. It's my weak, feeble faith in a mighty, strong Savior. It's my faith in Christ, and I can stand behind what Christ has done for me. I, weak little me, stand behind the mighty shield of Jesus Christ and what He's done for sinners. And He died on the cross for me, and that protects me from the lies of the devil and from what people tell me. And people tell me, oh, you've not been good enough lately. I'll never be good enough. But Christ is forever good enough. He met the requirement of the law of God and He is my righteousness and He's also my shield and I stand behind Him. So when I go out in the name of Jesus Christ, standing behind the shield of Christ, I have confidence in what Christ has done, not what I'm capable of doing. And therefore, my confidence is in Jesus and the shield is something that was given to me and I grab hold of Christ because I see in Him the righteousness I need and He is my hope, my eternal hope. I rest in Him. I stand behind Him. Do you understand this? It's vital that you understand this. It's not your faith that saves you. It's your faith in Jesus who saves you. It's very important. If you get this backwards, Satan will toy with you and taunt you, and you'll have all kinds of doubts about the assurance of our salvation. You will be looking at yourself when you need to be looking at Christ. You will evaluate your standing with God on yourself and not in Christ. It's very important. Don't go out without it. Stand behind the shield of faith. Faith in Christ. Are you getting it? You getting it? Beautiful. Beautiful. And if you've been standing behind something else, 
that I want to offer to you the shield of Christ right here, right now. If you've been counting on your record, your faith, your religion, how many Bible verses you memorize, how many people you've witnessed to, how much service you've given to God, away with it. Get rid of that flimsy cardboard box. Stand behind the righteousness of Christ. And maybe you need to do that right now. Maybe you've been standing by your little fabricated religion, your little religious box you made, even a Christian religious. Maybe you know the Apostles' Creed, but you don't stand behind the right. Maybe you're standing behind your knowledge of the Creed, but not the one to whom the Creed is about. Stand behind the righteousness of Jesus. Stand with Christ. Give your heart to Christ. Say, Lord God, I stand, I choose. I'm leaving my flimsy little shield, and I'm coming over to you. And I stand in your righteousness. You can do that today. You can stand behind the righteousness of Jesus by saying, Lord Jesus, I receive you. I receive you into my heart today. And then if you are saved, then my friend, have you not reason to praise God? That it is Him, that you stand behind Him. So as we sing, you should either be praying, running to God, to stand behind the shield of Christ, or you should be praising God that you stand behind the impenetrable righteousness of Jesus Christ as your shield. Okay, let's stand and sing in close. Father, thank you this day for the shield of faith. It's not our faith that shield us. It's faith in Christ who is our shield. Help us to grasp this understanding. And we sing you, beautiful Savior. We sing to you for being our shield. And we are confident now that we understand this. In Jesus' name, amen.